What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar20enespañol.com. Hey everyone, I'm Wilmer Valderrama. And I'm MR Raquel. This is Essential Voices. I'm really looking forward to our show today because when we think about essential work, we often think of uh, doctors, mail carriers, and grocery store workers, all of whom are basically our modern day version of our superheroes throughout this pandemic. And we don't always think of folks who aren't necessarily getting paid to be out in their communities doing very important work. I'm talking about community organizers, folks out there in the front lines protesting and showing up for racial equality. 100%. When we think of essential work, it goes beyond getting the job done in the present. It also applies to those looking forward and thinking of necessary change. Over the past two years, we've seen an uptick in supportive networks for these changes to public safety infrastructure, continuing the work that community organizers have been building on for decades. As we've spoken about on the show before, all of this became part of the more dominant public narrative in the wake of the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Micaiah Bryant, Dante Wright, Daniel Prude, Amir Locke, and devastatingly, these folks are just among some of the special and loved family members, parents, children, and siblings, members of this country who were killed by the police in the last two years. We have to continue to say their names and not forget the lives that have been taken much too soon. And while that remembrance can be sobering, Throughout these pandemic years, I've also been heartened to see so many of us continue learning to be better allies and show up for our communities of color. When I think about this kind of community-based support, I think about our essential worker, Ms. Kinur, who was just a block away from where George Floyd was murdered in May 2020, and is here with us today to speak about what life was like in Minneapolis during that moment what a transformative justice framework has to teach all of us and how essential it is to care for one another in ourselves while fighting for change. That's right. 
Miski is an organizer and writer based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where they are the co-director with Black Visions, a power and base building force for Black, queer, and trans people and their families within the larger movement for Black lives. We had the honor of speaking with Miski just before the Yes for Minneapolis campaign was set to be voted on locally. While the campaign unfortunately did not pass, there's a lot to be learned from what was proposed, and we'll hear about this and so much more in just a moment. And a note to listeners, today's episode is part one of a two-part series, so stay tuned next week for a roundtable conversation with civil rights attorney Ben Crump. I can't wait to dive into Miski's story. Let's do it. Miski's story starts now. My name is Miski Noor. I'm calling in from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I'm an organizer here, and currently I'm co-executive director of an organization called Black Visions, which is a queer and trans centering organization for Black queer and trans people and our families trying to build power and dismantle systems of violence so that our communities can really thrive. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Miski. Um, So to get us started, you just mentioned that you're an organizer. Can you tell me more about your work as an organizer, maybe how you got into it and what you're currently working on? My first organizer job was surprisingly enough being a paid canvasser on the Carrie Edwards campaign when I was a college student back in 04. I ended up being inside of electoral politics for a while. I worked on the Franken campaign in 08 where there was like a runoff election that we had to have and from there I actually ended up working for our congressman here for three years. And I worked in that office and did all of the outreach to like the black community and the black immigrant community. I did all of our like immigration casework. It was fulfilling in some ways and in some ways it just really wasn't. You know, I go out to community meetings and folks would expect me to just be a representative of the office instead of a community member myself who really cares and has my own opinions and thoughts and and wants to struggle with folks around what our path forward could possibly be. And at this time, this was actually like 2012. And so this is like a Tea Party Congress, right? And like nothing is actually getting done in the federal government. And I just became really disillusioned and actually left, left organizing, left politics, period. And like during that time period, I was just really asking myself questions around like, who am I doing this with and for and for the sake of why? While I was asking myself those questions, The first thing I ended up doing was running for my local neighborhood association board. And I did that for a couple of years. And while I was doing that, basically this current iteration of the Black Freedom Struggle Movement popped off. It was in my living room where like some of the very first meetings of Black Lives Matter Minneapolis were happening. And so for me in that moment, it really felt like somebody pressed the go button for Black liberation and I had to be involved. And so was involved in building that chapter, which led to us actually um, holding down what's now known as the fourth precinct occupation here in Minneapolis. So in 2015, the Minneapolis Police Department murdered Jamar Clark within 61 seconds of showing up on the scene. And that was just a real outrage to community. And so One of the things that we did was call for a rally, which then turned into like a no cop zone, which then turned into an 18 day occupation of the police station in which was a really, really powerful experience. This community like taking over and providing for one another and was one of the most transformational experiences of my life. And at the same time, at the end of it, 
all of us were like really sick and burnt out and beat down from the experience. I ended up in the hospital myself and needed like four blood transfusions. And a lot of us had even all this like mental health (laughs) despair that was happening where we were just needing a lot of like emotional, mental and physical support to even be okay after that, which really led us to thinking about like, hey, how do we actually organize in a way that isn't just like responsive or reactive? to the violence that we experience at the hands of the state, but instead, how do we build a visionary, strategic, and sustainable organization for Black people that's able to build power and really honor our lives? And so we took a couple of years to recover and to really answer that question. And in 2017 is when we started to build out Black Visions. And so that's where my organizing path is at right now. I've been helping to build this organization for the last four years now. And over the last year and a half, really trying to push this public safety campaign, really pushing people to reimagine what safety could actually look like. Um, And right now doing it in the form of the Path Forward campaign and also trying to get folks to vote yes on our ballot amendment to create a Department of Public Safety here in Minneapolis. We'll be right back after this break. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there, I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community, because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need, and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura Podcast Network, where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar 20 españolcom Welcome back to Essential Voices. You're talking about reimagining Minneapolis as a city that's supportive of black and brown folks where safety of community is at the center. 
And you mentioned Black Visions. Can you describe the ethos behind the organization and how you're looking at organizing as sustainable for the folks who are involved? Uh, so, yeah, a little bit of background on how Black Visions even like got to be here in this moment. Like I said, you know, in 2017, we were like, how do we build a visionary, strategic um, and sustainable Black organization? And one of the first things we knew we had to do was ask for help in order to be able to do that. Black Visions is an organization that just like sprung out of nowhere. We rest on the legacy and the teachings of generations of organizations that came before us. And so we knew we wanted to get an organizational development coach to support our process. And then the other thing we knew we needed was a transformative justice coach because we Mm -hmm. knew we wanted to hold transformative justice at the center of our organization. And we knew we needed support to be able to really do that. And so we've always had a TJ coach to help us think about like, hey, how are we accountable and how are we embodying the value of accountability and transformative justice and transformation. Because if we want to transform the world, we have to be willing to transform ourselves. And what does it mean to be an organization that's actually able to do that and is actually showing up in ways that are about care and not about like punitive (laughs) um, response. And so we've always had a TJ coach to help us continue to figure that out and build out practices and policies that allow us to move from that way, to move from our values instead of, you know, just becoming yet another cookie cutter non profit because that's not what we're up to in the world. And after George Floyd was murdered, it was our organization who called for the defunding of the police and got folks, you know, really on board with the idea of actually moving police money out of the police budget and into other areas of our city budget so that we could actually take care of our folks. And so what that's looked like is us actually moving one, this Path Forward campaign. And our Path Forward campaign consists of basically these two big pillars, one of them being people's movement assemblies. And so we're bringing folks together all across the city, all across different partner organizations to have conversations about what does safety mean to us in particular. And we're actually documenting and synthesizing all of that information from all of these different people's assemblies that are happening so that then we can have a report to actually give to the city of Minneapolis next year, give to the people of Minneapolis and say, hey, we talked to hundreds of folks here and this is what they've said safety means. And so this is what we actually have to move on. And so it's actually a practice of building people's governance muscle. You know, it's actually building the muscle of decision making with each other um, so that we can truly govern and make decisions with one another versus having other people make decisions for us. The other part of it is obviously the Yes for Minneapolis campaign, uh, where we're trying to get folks to yes on question two. You know, right now, Minneapolis, our city charter, which is effectively our city constitution, has the police department written into it. There's a clause in there that's like, for every X amount of citizens, you have to have X amount of police. And so right now, because of the way the constitution is set up and the way that bureaucracy works, we can even have less than roughly 800 cops in the city of Minneapolis. And we want a lot less than that. And so it's a way for us to actually get this amendment passed is a way for us to actually change the size, the scale, the scope, the power of the police department, and really actually the infrastructure that supports it. And so what it would do is it would one, eliminate that requirement and to develop or actually create a department of public safety that then could decide 
hey, we actually have these different divisions, like a mental health division, like a drug overdose one, like a de-escalation. It could be a whole department of public safety that has different strategies for how to respond so that every single time somebody calls for help, it isn't a guy with a gun that shows up. So that you call for help and you actually need um, somebody who knows how to deal with overdose. It's a mental health professional that's sent out there, right? If you're actually in the middle of some sort of like domestic violence issue, it's somebody that's actually able to intervene and able to actually de-escalate that violence, right? If somebody who's having a mental health crisis, then it's somebody that's actually able to, to talk to that person and knows what to do instead of showing up with more violence. And so we're really hoping that we're able to get this amendment passed because it just like actually diversifies what is actually possible around our folks calling for help. And so, yeah, those are two big things. And then obviously it's not just about this ballot amendment. It's not just about this year. It's not just about this last year and a half. Like we're going to get rid of the Minneapolis Police Department in Minneapolis. And that is only one part of creating safety for our folks. This is a multi-year process um, to actually create something new with each other, right? A lot of people hear abolition and think abolition is just about tearing something down. But Ruth Wilson-Gilmore teaches us that abolition is about presence. And so how are we getting more present in each other's lives and how are we actually building what it is that we need? Mm, That's exactly right. Abolition has become sort of like a buzzword in a sense. So I really appreciate your quoting Ruth Wilson-Gilmore here for folks to have a little bit of a more nuanced understanding of the word. And something you're talking about is working within community to create entirely new futures. I'm wondering what this work looks like when being in community with your fellow organizers. Like, in what ways do you come together and support one another through the journey? And maybe also, could you tell me how doing this work makes you feel? How does this work make me feel? You know, most of the time I feel very honored to do the work that I do, to care so deeply about it. Not everybody gets to do work that they love and that they feel called to in a lot of ways. And then, and you know, I'm an, I'm an organizer. So a lot of times, honestly, <laughs> I do feel not honored for my contributions or, or not supported in many ways, because a lot of people really do orient to organizing or organizers as like this martyr. Sometimes it feels like that, you know, with organizing, that it's just a job where you eventually will get burnt out or a job in which you don't have the support that you need. Um, The orientation is that like, yeah, since you do this for the love of community, that you're just going to keep doing it even when you're not getting what you need. And so that's been a huge lesson. You know, I think there's obviously been this whole wave around self-care, self-care, not to just feel good, but like self-care to actually like care for your well-being. And so that's a thing that comes up for me, not even just around myself, but around my comrades, you know, making sure that folks are caring for themselves and for each other. And then your second question was like, how do we show up to care for each other? I think we think about how we create spaces. You know, after George Floyd was murdered, we built community altars in both North and South Minneapolis to really be able to just like hold space with and for each other. We've 
provide folks with a healing stipend <laughs> every month to like, mm. just like, how are you taking care of your wellness? And like, you can put that towards body work. You could put that towards acupuncture. You could put that towards a chiro appointment, put that towards therapy, like, you know, a, a gym membership, whatever is actually going to provide you with the care that you need and, and create more access for that and support for that. And I think, you know, for us, a part of the way that we really do that is that we are building into being a member partnership organization. And so we have members and those are the folks that we are like most accountable to and are in relationship with. And so our members guide our organization forward and end our work. And we are always thinking about how we're showing up for them. So whether it's like the membership development fund that we've created for our folks or the emergency fund so that they can access things whenever it is um, that they're in need or just the spaces that we create. You know, we have monthly spaces for folks to connect over a meal to just be present with each other. And then also like just creating creative spaces, right? We have a lot of artists in our organization and, you know, there is no movement without art. And so also thinking about like, hey, how are we actually like supporting and feeding the creative pieces of our folks as well? Um, So they're able to like bring themselves into this work as well. And then lastly, I'll say like being an organization that holds transformative justice at the center, like providing political education and care around that even. Um, So our folks are able to opt into that, right? Like accountability is not possible. Transformation is not possible unless like you're in relationship and you're willing to do it. And so we have to give people the tools to be able to engage in those kinds of conversations so that they are able to transform alongside and with us. And so we work a lot both inside of our membership and also inside of like our ecosystems around organizing folks to move towards that uh, so that we're all thinking about how we're moving away from and, and depending less on these systems that really harm us and are moving towards creating together other ways of being with one another. We'll be right back after this break. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me sharing memories, and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en, en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar 20 españolcom Welcome back to Essential Voices. That's so beautiful and incredible that you're able to offer the monthly healing stipends to everybody. I mean, you mentioned acupuncture, you mentioned body work, and I'm stoked to hear that those acts of self-care are being talked about and offered as possibilities. It also makes me think about how this phrase of self-care, in quotes for those who can't see us, has exploded recently and especially during the pandemic. We haven't yet talked about directly, you know, the impact of COVID on your organizing, but I'm wondering how the pandemic affected Black Visions and your organizing. I mean, especially being right in the center of the protests after the murder of George Floyd. What new challenges and what new hopes did the pandemic bring for you all? When George Floyd was murdered, so I live just like two blocks away from where he was murdered. And I walked over to like Malone neighborhood corner store because folks had called a rally And me and my little pod walked over in our masks and, you know, folks were wearing masks and folks were trying to social distance, but we couldn't get close enough to actually hear the folks on the mic. And it was because it was too crowded. We were like, okay, let's go around this alleyway and see if we can hear from this angle or this side of the street, um, just because we were still trying to socially distance. And once the speeches were over and folks started marching towards the third precinct, I was so shook. Because I saw thousands of folks marching like shoulder to shoulder, front to back. And I just like won't ever forget that moment because in that moment I was like, oh, people have decided that police violence is more dangerous than this pandemic. I feel really inspired by that resilience. And I think the other reason people were really out in the streets like that is like people were in deep need of connection. Like we were so isolated. And so like, I still feel really inspired that folks were like so deeply desiring connection with each other that they were like, okay, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out how to be in the streets with each other. And so I, I think some of the challenges were like, wow, How do we keep people safe? We don't know what's going on with this pandemic, right? So like actually figuring out PPE and social distancing and like following along to what the CDC was saying every day. You know, the whole reason we are organizers is to figure out how to keep more of our people safe. And so it was just yet another layer of that. Another challenge was like us switching up our tactics. Like if we're organizers, what we're trying to do is reach people. And if we can't like reach everybody in person by knocking on their doors, then we got to like have these trainings on Zoom, right? We've got to be doing phone banking. We've got to figure out alternatives. And so we have to get more creative about how we were able to reach people and also how we were able to keep people safe. And so that was like some of the challenges that came up and that we're still navigating, right? Like the Delta variant is wilding out here. Like who knows what's going to happen and 
what other variants are going to pop up. And so, you know, there is no post-COVID world. And so we're just going to have to continue to like be adaptive and learn and experiment with like what can keep our people safe and what can help us continue to reach them because like the isolation can't happen. And we also just like can't be so lax that more and more of our folks are actually getting sick. Yeah, those were definitely some of the challenges that came up. And then I remember being really inspired and I still continue to be really inspired by just like all of the conversations around abolition that folks were having, whether it was like at the kitchen table with their families or at George Floyd Square or online. Folks were like getting really curious and like we got to a new place around abolition over the last year and a half that we didn't before. And it's not that it was a new demand. It was a demand that like just in that moment we were really able to reach people with and really be able to catalyze um, uprisings that went from Minneapolis across the world to really demand something different and use that as a moment to demand more for our folks and move towards, you know, these campaigns for safety. So that's another thing I feel really inspired by. There are like defund campaigns and campaigns for public safety all across this country. And folks are going to see more and more of that as we move towards Election Day. But I'm really proud of all of the different ways folks like, you know, supported Minneapolis, but also went into their own communities, talked to their folks and decided, hey, this is how we're going to get clear on what we need together. And so I just feel really inspired by everybody who is experimenting with alternatives and experimenting with community governance and passing on those lessons to each other. And so I want to shout out, you know, Cooperation Jackson and some of the homies in the South that have really helped to model what collective decision making could look like so that we could learn from their lessons and continue to build on that. And so, yeah. That's what I'm feeling inspired by. What you're saying about hearing folks talk with their families about abolition really resonates for me. I remember listening to a lot of webinars during lockdown when I was living at home with my mom. And for me, especially a couple of the webinars I tuned into were with Miriam Kaba, and at least one was with Beth Ritchie. And those were ones that I held close during the pandemic. And, you know, when I was living with my mom, we definitely spent many dinners talking about abolition while we were eating. And I felt like we were having very different kinds of conversations than we usually do, which which made me feel very inspired as well. And, you know, you're talking about being inspired and, and being proud. So it makes me wonder if there's a story or a moment during the pandemic when you were proud of something that you individually or, or collectively with Black Visions were able to accomplish. Okay, so last year with Yes for Minneapolis, we fought for the ballot amendment, the Charter Commission, which is an appointed body of folks, only one Black person on there, were able to block us from getting it on the ballot last year. And so we ended up doing what is actually the more democratic process. And we collected petition signatures to get it on the ballot this year. And we got over 22,000 signatures to get it on the ballot. And our opposition decided to take us to court three times (laughs) Mm -hmm. to block our language from being on the ballot. So we had to go to court three times, continue to appeal it. And just last week, um, we had to appeal it to the Supreme Court. Um, Not even a week ago, the Supreme Court voted on our side to allow our ballot language to be on the ballot. And so one that feels really exciting, um, feels like a win for democracy because people actually get to vote. Like these people were just trying to stop it from being on the ballot instead of just letting it be on the ballot and people vote no if they don't want it, right? So it was really some voter suppression tactics that were happening here from some old guard leadership that is just really entrenched in their values and their views. And so that's one. And then I feel like I have to shout out last summer when we got a 
veto proof majority of our city council to commit to actually defunding the police and establishing a department of public safety. And I say that because it was on Prince's birthday. And so <laughs> it just feels really magical. But yeah, I feel like Prince magic made that happen. And so I just always going to remember that moment in Powderhorn Park on Prince's birthday. It's just like the most Minneapolis thing. Wow. I love that. That's amazing. And I've been sitting here throughout this entire conversation, just like nodding constantly in agreement with everything you've been saying. So I'm I'm really, really honored to be in conversation with you to hear about the work that you're doing and just how visionary you and Black Visions are in creating the futures that you know should be existing and, and being in solidarity to build power for these sustainable futures. So as we wrap up, I, I just have a couple more questions. The first is, how can the community, whether it's the Minneapolis community or folks living around the United States or even outside of the U.S., how can communities support the work that you and Black Visions are doing? Hmm, thank you so much for your kind words and also for this question. For us, I said we're, we've got this ballot campaign going. And so we've got like some cute animations and, and videos and content online. Follow us at Black Visions on Instagram and Black Visions MN on Twitter, Black Visions just on Facebook. You know, keep following our campaign. Some of the tactics our opposition are using here, or, you know, are some of the things that they're going to be using and are using in other places. And so us like sharing strategies and keeping up to date on each other's fights so that we can support when it's like most crucial, I think is really, really important. Uh, and so, yeah, please share out about about the Yes for Minneapolis campaign and the Path Forward campaign and uh, continue to stay involved with us because we need and appreciate your support. Amazing. Thank you for sharing those resources. And finally, to wrap up our conversation today, what message or messages would you like to leave for future community organizers? Maybe as a follow-up to that, what would you like to tell your younger self today as we wrap up this conversation? I think the message I'd like to leave is like... um, like your vision is not too radical, you know, your vision, your vision is not too much. Everything that we see right now in the world, unless it's just nature, is something that came out of somebody's brain. And so especially when we're talking about systems and institutions, like this is all human made. And so if you can imagine something different, something better, and you can get with folks to bring that vision to life, it is so possible. I want to encourage folks to seek out the support, the tools that they need in order to continue to break the ceiling on their own imagination because that's what we need to get to freedom land. And I think um, what I would tell my younger self I probably just tell me to breathe, (laughs) (laughs) Um, like breathe and it's coming. And I think to trust my belonging, I would remind myself to feel or to return to feeling um, so that I could actually just like feel more of even my own like lifeblood, like dignity and and feel my own humanity as well. And I would say trust my belonging to know that like, yeah, I do belong. I do have offerings and to move beyond like imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. um, as well. And yeah, and that I, I deserve care and honoring too, and that I'm not here just to be of service, but that I, I get to trust my belonging and that my light gets to shine and that doesn't take away from anybody else's. There's so much love and care behind the work that Miski and their team does. Not only are they working to protect and care for their community, they're also looking inwards to make sure that their fellow organizers are supported throughout the process. 
The image of seeing all the protesters and community organizers out in the front lines has really stuck with me because even in the pandemic, it's been a reminder that showing up safely in large numbers makes a huge impact. I'm grateful for Miski's time and I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation next week with esteemed civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump, who represents the families of victims of police violence and continues to fight for justice for all. Essential Voices with Wilmer Valderrama is produced by me, M.R. Raquel, Allison Shano, and Kevin Rutkowski, with production support from associate producer Lillian Holman, executive producers Wilmer Valderrama, Adam Reynolds, Leo Clem, and Aaron Hilliard. This episode was edited by M.R. Raquel and Sean Tracy and features original music by Will Rosati. Special thanks to this week's Essential Voice, Miski Noor, and to Black Visions. Additional thanks to Ndolo Elate. This is a Clamor and WV Entertainment production in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca, o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumucósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar 20 españolcom What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens. But trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.